In a world full of distractions, there is one big question on every dog owner's lips. How do I become more than just the person holding the other end of the leash? We all get dogs of a dream in mind, a vision of the future. And if right now your everyday reality isn't quite that picture you had in mind, you are in the right place. It really doesn't have to be this way. You absolutely can and will be more to your dog than just the person who gets in between them and the world. The key is you need to be more sexy. More sexy than the neighbourhood cat. More sexy than the jogger in the park. More sexy than that half-eaten hamburger they just found on the floor. And yes, even more sexy than the dog across the road. I'm Tom. And I'm Lauren. Together Together we are Absolute Absolute Dogs. Dogs. And you're listening to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast, the podcast that effectively teaches you how to overcome struggles that you're facing with your dog through the power of three-minute games. So today we tackle a topic that I think is actually very close to many people, and it's something that really um, it can't be necessarily avoided and actually it really makes a difference for a harmonious family and that is dealing with children and dogs and how they can harmoniously live together or not as the case may be right and there's all that advice out there about how you should probably not mix or work with the two especially not at the same (laughs) time but the reality is that some of us cannot actually avoid that so uh, what we wanted to talk about was really what are the the game-changing pillars of success when it comes to having a a, either a single dog or multi-dog household coupled with tiny people. And I can definitely uh, tell this story from the heart. I know that when I first um, found out that I was having um, a baby, I I think the first thought that came into my head is... (gasps) oh my gosh, how are the dogs going to cope with this? Like, it wasn't how will I cope with this? How will Matt cope with this? This is my babies and a new baby. Like, how does this work? And actually, it's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle at first because there's a lot of different moving parts. And I think that's probably the biggest thing to take into consideration here, right, Tom? How many moving parts there are. And actually, these novelty, I mean, we, we've called them before novelty machines, haven't the, we? The, babies. Babies and children, they do a lot of crazy novel things. And as we've talked about before in previous episodes, of the podcast, some of our dogs, they might be a little bit on the pessimistic side in that they might see novelty or or new things as something to worry about rather than to be cool about. I'll give you a little example of that. It was Halloween um, sort of evening. I remember with Liza, uh, past event. um, And I remember that she uh, went downstairs about 10 minutes later. She ran upstairs in full on like Halloween gear. I think she was something from, um, what's it called? It's the the Mexican um, something of the dead. I can't remember. Night of the Dead or something like that she basically ran up she was in this like um, day of the dead um, gear black lipstick which I don't know where on earth she managed to find that it certainly wasn't any of mine and she literally just appeared and I remember in that moment thinking dear lord like what on earth is going on here and yet the dogs were all quite cool with it but at the same time those are sorts of moments that can really throw um, pessimism or challenge our dog's optimism, let's say. Yeah. And also there are moments that I suppose we need to be at least prepared for or ready for, whether you either have children of your own or even sometimes more difficult for dogs where actually they don't see children regularly, regularly or they don't live with children or they're not used to um, mm-hmm. seeing children and then actually they just appear mm-hmm. um, in their life or um, in their in their day. So I think it's something to consider, right? Absolutely. And so it kind of leads on to what is the first pillar of success when it comes to, you know, 
dogs and children cohabiting. Um, and that is that actually every dog has a bucket, as we've talked about in the past, and things pay into that bucket throughout the day. You know, there might be scary things, there might be exciting things, there might just be the day-to-day happenings of a household. Now, the thing is that if dogs and children are together all the time and for a lot of the time, well, you can bet that that bucket's going to get more and more full because, well, children are busy, babies are busy, they do crazy things, they are novelty machines. And so what we're saying is that actually the secret to a successful relationship between dogs and children is for them not to be together all the time. And actively what we talk about and what what we employ in our own households is a gator community. Where And, and that gator community, a lot of people, I think they think it must be about like dogs and the dogs having an area. Mm-hmm. Actually, I've used it forever for um, Eliza with with gates and stairs and actually the dogs became part of that gated community but actually it's it's as important for our children as it is for our dogs and I'm not saying don't get us wrong here we're not saying that you you keep children behind gates or in crates that is absolutely not what we're saying however what we are saying is there are certainly boundaries in the house and there are um, presence doesn't mean effectively access right and and those areas for example last night Eliza was eating her dinner um, and our dogs were on the boundaries Mm -hmm. and they were on the raised boundaries and those are just part of that presence doesn't mean access sort of scenario and picture. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's none of their business yeah. a lot of the time. Exactly. And what that allows um, our dogs to do is effectively for their buckets to empty without further contributions from other members of the household. And the key here is that that actually dogs, they... They're a, they're, they're a species that they live in family groups anyway. They are domesticated, so they absolutely adore humans and they want to cohabit with humans and be around humans. But we've all, we all know those relationships or those scenarios or those people where you, you really like this person. Let's say you've met them once. You really like them. And then you think that they're great. And this person says, you know what, let's spend the weekend together or let's spend a week together. And you spend that weekend or that week together and you hit that point where actually you're like, you know what, I'm not enjoying this anymore. I've had enough of this I need company. To em- I need to empty my bucket a little bit because this person's contributing a lot to my bucket. And I see this a lot you know, from a better behavior perspective where dogs have... To be honest, like dogs maybe have even bitten children and, and bitten babies and whatever else. Um, and, um, and the, the reality is that that dog was actually doing really well. They just reach their, the, the point of their bucket overflowing and, because of constant exposure. And let's address that point very briefly here, I think, because it's definitely worth addressing is that um, the relationship between children and, and dogs is definitely a complex one. It's one that needs to be monitored. Yeah. I was working with the police only recently and they've had some horrific cases mm-hmm. and some horrific incidents, which um, certainly wouldn't be something I wanted to share or, or go into. And yet at the same time, that I think we have to be mindful of. Mm-hmm. And so I think dogs and children, let's, let's put it out there now that they, they require supervision, they require mm-hmm. careful management, they require us um, on, on a very serious note, never taking those relationships for granted and, and yeah. always acknowledging them when we own dogs, whether that be um, Blink, who's the cutest Cocker Spaniel in the world, potentially, uh, other than Keto, who's also <laughs> obviously um, the cutest. But, but equally, I mean, um, I know that... Um, 
even within our own dog households, like we've had to, we've had to grow them, we've had to supervise them, we've had to um, nurture them. They're not relationships that necessarily um, would have always. A, a um, natural. Let, right? Let's go with let, let's go with Bet and Eliza because yeah. this is funny. so. Bet's never grown up with with children, and yet yeah. she kind of has always been around Eliza when she's here. Yeah. Right. And, and let's let's go with the choices and how and these so are made because it's the, funny. The, the funny thing is, is that you know Bet as probably all know she's very full-on she's like the the rambo of, of the, the dog world <laughs> she's like a bulldozer she's incredibly gritty puts her all into everything and so you can imagine that that kind of what is you know she's a, a 13 kilogram border collie but when she, she moves, is a bull. she's like a, a a bull let's put a 60 um, kilos literally. when she puts some momentum behind um, her and you you pair that with with um, a, a little person a small person who maybe wants to maybe do exciting things with with that dog you can imagine that 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 combination might be a challenge and yet through the skills that we that we talk about through throughout this podcast what you find is that actually they are eliza and better like best friends and in fact eliza now if she has a choice of who she gets to walk she would walk bet and the funniest thing is tom and i both looking and going well bet's the full-on one like it's not we, we, we'll quite happily we'll quite happily hand her over for anyone else to walk because she like challenges you yeah. and yet eliza and her walk hand in hand almost or paw yeah. in hand and they just trot along They're don't they merrily totally fine like t absolutely fine so i guess guys what we're saying as well is that often you know if we're thinking if we're thinking about supervision we've got to account for the fact that actually some days you're going to be tired some days you're gonna kind of want to switch off and relax and that isn't conducive to smart supervision of dogs and children together and so what a gator community does and that opportunity to actually say you know it's good for my dog to not be part of the action all the time that allows you to actually make great choices and think well you know what i'm feeling tired i i, I you know i've had a bucket filling day myself let's let's do gator community right now let's not have them it's, together it's almost a pressure release for you it's almost a it's um, permission to, yeah. to be to to take the pressure off right and, and and that permission is a real relief for so many of us and i think it's like i said um just revisiting very quickly that whole um, police scenario working with mm. them and talking through some of the cases that they've been involved in because obviously dangerous dogs are, are something that they deal with on a day-to-day -day basis and going into buildings and properties with dangerous dogs but actually some of the dangerous dogs are they are put into the position that's that these mm. things Things almost they can't not happen is it it's, dangerous it's like, dog or is it bucket overflowing and, dog, and, right? and and how we manage that bucket and actually the owner having that huge responsibility which is owning a dog right mm. like it is a, it's a big responsibility yeah. and supervision is so big so so yeah absolutely huge in terms of just acknowledging our role in this and acknowledging who we are and what role mm. we play to safeguard yeah. this relationship so next pillar of success is actually weirdly the the key foundation to a dog and child getting on well is that each of them understand this concept of disengaging from the other and so we can only you know we're, we're going to focus on dog training in this podcast but you know the, the, there's similar lessons that need to be learned from the the children's and, and perspective equally i think the children and and parents whether it's in the same family as the dog or not i think that's a huge responsibility i was walking only yesterday i was up on the moors it was a beautiful beautiful day and as we were coming around the corner i had four dogs with me and there was a little girl and her mum said careful careful and she walked past the dog and she looked into Abra's eyes and she said careful careful and and she said no, no I didn't mean the dog I meant you and her, her little daughter was so cute really really cute little girl called Katie and she said no you Katie and Katie was like smiling going careful careful to Abra and I think it's those moments of um 
realization that we take a good part of that responsibility as parents of um yeah. of, of children and and actually acknowledging our role in that as much as we're not here tra training children i think parents yes we could potentially help and um, so i think it yeah. is definitely something to be acknowledged at the same time like you said dog training disengagement being the number one thing we're talking about exactly and the, the i think that one of the big misconceptions with with children and dogs is we think that the relationship should be about engagement and interaction when really the foundation of a great relationship is first of all can you just be in the same room as each other and not be totally engaged and totally obsessed and like only see interaction as, as the only option there and so what we do with our especially our young dogs um or, or new dogs to the the household what we think about is actually in those times where you're wanting to promote just disengagement and everybody doing their own thing. Well, maybe we need to manage that dog in that setting. And maybe they just need to be on lead while they're learning these skills. Maybe we need to be dropping their daily food allowance at our feet with them on lead and them seeing value and actually not interacting with the, the, the baby or the toddler or the child or whatever, you know, really whatever age that, that it might be. From that foundation, then we can work on creating a great relationship between the between the two. But the reality is that first and foremost, what we need to do is we need to teach them that there's value in just ignoring each other as well. And I was walking a dog only recently. It was a dog that was staying for training and, and um, very, very quickly acknowledged, Tom, that whenever I went out, that dog would not stop going to look for other people and other yeah. things and other. And what I said to Matt, and we were out walking with our dogs and, and we brought her along with us. I, I really said this is exactly where people struggle. She's mm. learned so much of um, everyone is fun and everyone is accessible. Actually, yeah. this isn't a good um, foundation to build on. And what we need to do is take her away from the situation, not keep allowing her to rehearse it. Because actually, every time she rehearses this going up and visitation right on everyone. So it is kind of a... It's, it's, it's that first point of, um, of, of presence doesn't mean access on top of disengagement because those yeah. two build together to be what we have with our dogs when we walk and they actually don't need to rush up and see children. And, and that's the worry is that sometimes when they do rush up to see children and they're not sure about what that child actually means, that's when you can have an incident, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so I guess this leads nicely on to, well, where does the, 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 the the child come into this in terms of are there is there an approach that we can take with the the little people that might actually make a help that dog out in disengaging and so the the key is what we found and this this actually secret guys don't don't don't, don't tell, tell don't tell anybody this this applies to all family members children and adult alike adults alike warning adults <laughs> yeah so um this is this is how we have a harmonious household so the key is that often you can think about all the different things that you that you wouldn't want somebody to do with your dog that might encourage bad behavior that might encourage engagement that might get them excited and we've all got those family members whether they're children or adult to be honest i think both are can be equally as dangerous where they actively always do the thing that you really that that really doesn't help that dog out that they really don't need where they really Really kind of encourage excitement. And they're like, I mean, I, I saw exactly this happen the other day with a family I was observing and they literally started to do this all over the dog and the dog wheeze everywhere as mm. well. So it wasn't even like the whole scenario. Yeah. was. And they said, oh yeah, he does that when you're always paying attention to him like this. And mm. I'm thinking this is exactly the scenario, right? Yeah. Where the family member rushes on the pup yeah. or the dog. And that's the outcome of that experience. Exactly. And so what we do is we have an approach of, sure, we can think of the, the million different things that we don't want somebody to do with our dog. Because there are many. How about we think about one thing that we do want them to do? And how about we make it their job 
to do that. So, for example, it could be um, that their job is while ever the dog is lying on their boundary or on their bed, that they take a bit of their daily food allowance and throw it on their bed towards them. That could be one of their job. Or if it's a, a an older family member, it might be, for example, hey, do you want to actually, um, I'm trying to promote calmness here. Um, I see that you really want to interact with him. Do you want to take the lead and drop food at your feet? Because I think he'd, I think he'd actually really enjoy that experience. And, and it- could be as simple as keep four feet on the floor which if you've ever owned a a springy type dog something that's bouncy and Mm. wants to get their feet off the floor uh, i own cocker cocker spaniels so you know what we know this breed um so for me it could be just four feet on the floor Mm. so four feet on the floor you can you can drop food so you can give them a job the other thing i found really really useful in our multi-dog and person household is actually grounding people so giving them a job like okay you guys sit there i'll go grab you a drink and for the minute ignore the dog i'm gonna have um, some food pots available in a minute that you can play with and throw mm-hmm. some food in but actually your number one role is would you like a drink grab yeah. a seat and I think when you've got the would you like a drink grab a seat yeah. you actually ground the people I know we had a and meeting didn't we yeah, not that absolutely. long ago we brought in people in suits into the house which actually the dogs don't see those don't sorts see of suits. like so, um, <laughs> and and um, and this was a weird a weird scenario of like um, a multi-people sort of team meet mm. And so actually, and they definitely don't see suits with us. No. Um, and so it was literally ground them on a seat, give yeah. them a drink. And actually, then we could manage the the, the interactions Give them a location way. to occupy. I think the other thing, gosh, we, 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 go, we can go it's on easy. and on we about can, this. We can digress for sure. <laughs> um, is that often people will pick the wrong, if you've got a multi-dog household, Often people or children will pick the worst candidate for their interaction. They, you know, like, like the fact that Eliza hones in on Bet every time. Hones in on Bet, who's like time. 150 miles an hour. And so the other strategy that you can do is you can direct them onto a more suitable candidate. So, for example, in my house, I've got little ketone. Perfect little, for Eliza. Perfect. Perfect. Tiny black spaniel, so sweet and gentle. and Easy it, on lead. Couldn't, couldn't pull Eliza over if she tried. No, absolutely. And so, for example, if Eliza was coming to visit and she saw Bet on a boundary and I see her I see her eyes meet Bet's eyes and they both fill with energy and, and you, you see which way it's going to go I say I might say something like hey Eliza do you want to have a li- I'm training ketone middle do you want to have a little go at playing middle with her and in turn what you get is you get what you do want you, you direct them appropriately but I think if I said to Eliza in that moment now Bet's really um, not the choice that I would make and I and don't Eliza look at her push don't look at her even you harder can, you can and- imagine Imagine she, the it's, little it's like glance a, that she might do when you're not looking. It's like it's like it's it's the daredevil in her, yeah. especially because creeping and towards the bed. We've we've built Eliza up to being able to work with Bet, and at the same time, I think it's it's a relationship that you grow. And I think that's mm. the other thing. And I think it's worth mentioning here: it's small steps every day yeah. in the right direction, and not allowing it to overfill. So yeah. at no point have we said to Eliza, "Okay, let's go on like a four-hour hike with Bet, mm. and let's you can have her on lead the whole time." <laughs> wheeling and running or let's go on a cycle ride or something like that it's always been like small interactions and then it's always been good and i think this is the thing um, and again god mustn't direct digress but generally in dog training that i think we've learned over the last few years that just has made such a big difference in all of Mm. our dogs training is that actually small steps in the right way are so much better than a big exposure that goes wrong yeah and actually i'd much prefer to safeguard those exposures and not have anything go wrong than to allow them to keep presenting and have an issue the crazy thing is is that the absence of anything going wrong or the absence of of rehearsing what we don't want is actually 
depressingly, way more important than anything that it's you so can powerful. do. <laughs> so powerful. And so, and so just not allowing those experiences to go wrong, like not allowing yeah. them. I mean, again, um, the, the shock for me about hearing things like, um, children left um, unsupervised yeah. with a dog that isn't necessarily. I mean, to be honest, we just shouldn't. Yeah. Like, we just shouldn't. It's yeah. it's no, there's no need for it. And and when you hear those scenarios, you're thinking, well, actually, th- those those situations are allowed to happen. The big mm. thing is, you don't want to be overprotective to the point that actually you don't enjoy your life. Mm. At the same time, I think protection there is a place for like vigilance and protection. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, and, and I guess the other thing, final final thing on this point is that have you ever had you've known two people they didn't know each other, and you would really love it if you were all friends together. So you you kind of organise to meet with these two other people, and you you're almost like try and match make them and you're like you see you know you've got this in common you've got this in common and they don't get on because we're forcing them to get on we're right? forcing the interaction <laughs> and when you're forcing the interaction it just isn't necessarily where it's, it's at. rushed right it's not not the way to do it and so not authentic either right absolutely. like it's, it's pressured so I guess it leads on to the the final pillar of of what we wanted to share with you and and um, that is the uh, Every level, at every layer, at every interaction, what we need to do between dogs and children is inspire calmness. Now, calmness isn't necessarily either of their first go-tos. No. Surely, like Liza, I watch and I'm like, wow, that calmness is like sometimes like the hidden switch. You can't actually find it and you have to kind <laughs> it's not of... the first um, choice. <laughs> definitely not there. And the same for dogs like Blink and Bet. And, um, and, and to be honest, most of our dogs, mm. I'd say, are high energy. We yeah. don't really have anything that's, that's um, naturally... No. Um, laid back and so for me I think this is something that we're growing all the time knowing that everything they choose Mm -hmm. is always appropriate and I love that that whatever they choose from calmness it's always appropriate and so with children it's even more appropriate and actually what I find is they match each other the more that you um, keep employing calmness so the more that I employ calmness with blink the more that Eliza is calm around blink and so the cool thing about this is that dogs are creatures of efficiency. So if they if they always do exciting things in a certain place, for example, imagine your dog walking to the dog park and how the excitement increases leading up to that off-lead opportunity. Or if they always do exciting things in the presence of somebody, they will be excited in the future because they're just like, you know, what, I'm going to skip the middleman. I know that exciting things are going to happen. Here is excitement. Now, the cool thing is, is that we can flip that on its head and we can say, you know, if you rehearse calmness around the, your, your children, for example, by using your dog's daily food allowance to pay into that calmness bank account. And there's a whole episode of this podcast just on calmness that you can um, listen to um, and remind yourself of all the strategies that we use. What you get is you get a triggered calmness in the presence of, of, of children. And, and that's, that's powerful. Definitely, definitely, definitely what we're trying to grow every time, right? Mm. Like that's absolutely what we're looking for is that actually they're not such a crazy event for each other. Yeah. Like we don't actually, we talk all the time about non-event learning mm. and non-event training. Like this for me is actually what I want it to become. It's not like something that triggers high arousal, fast movement, fast pace. Actually, yeah. this is something that is enjoyable and is calm and is at the right pace for both the dog and the child absolutely and so you know i always say this kind of tongue-in-cheek but it is take take it literally as i say it high arousal relationships don't last long and it's true that i if think tom got... has some secret experiences here that he's not willing to share on the podcast <laughs> no but the point is guys that if you're if you've smiling. got a really like high excitement um relationship between a dog and a a, a person what you find is that relationship it doesn't last that long because it starts to break Do down you want to share your experience 
experience. I don't want to. Sh- there is no experience. <laughs> Did you see to him? He nearly, he nearly to clarify, fell into there's it. No experience. He nearly fell into uh, it. But the, the the key here is that if we inspire low arousal, if we inspire calmness, if we inspire optimism, if we inspire disengagement, that's a long, long lived happy relationship. So one other point I didn't want to forget, and I, I don't necessarily think it's necessary just for here calmness, but but generally dogs um, and um, people, pe- pe- children that are scared of dogs mm-hmm. or children that are worried about dogs. There's a lot of people who also really feel that dogs and people and children have to be friends. Mm. I think here's the other thing that's really important and worth acknowledging here. And obviously you're welcome to share this podcast with absolutely anyone, right, Tom? Like yeah, absolutely. You, you, we want you to share it with other dog trainers, um, friends, family, fr- families that maybe are looking for a dog, like just to think through. Because yeah. for me, children that are scared of dogs, this isn't something that we ever force. And actually all of these things um, can, can be done in a really gentle um, way where they don't need to face each other for a long time. The you same principles can... apply. Yeah, exactly that. The, you know, the same principles apply in that actually, how about we're just in each other's presence, disengaging from each other, being calm, being a non-event. And, and learning to be happy coexisting and, and around each other. And you'd be surprised at how quickly those relationships become really happy ones. Yeah. At the same time, like we said earlier, they're never forced. And I think it's mm. worth acknowledging that a lot of children are really scared of dogs. Actually, don't ever force that relationship. Yeah. Allow that relationship to nurture and grow without any pressure. And I think that dogs can give a huge amount to, to children's development. I remember working in a school um, a good few years back now when I was a school teacher and, and actually watching how much dogs can bring to the table to help enhance children's learning and children's mm. development and children's confidence. At the same time, the children who are scared of dogs really don't need to be forced and I bet they'll come on board anyway. Mm. They just need their time and their space. So just yeah. like Tom's saying, actually all of the principles above really apply uh, in in a slightly different way, but the same way at the same time, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so um, I, I guess kind of a nice summary story at this point is um, telling you a little story about my niece, Lily, who um, goes and Nelsie, my my mum, looks after her um, a lot and enjoys spending time with her. And my mum has a dog and, and he's called Luca. And the funny thing is, is that one of Lily's first words, she's like, 15 months old, something like that. Um, one of Lily's first words was actually down because what she really loves doing is asking Luca to do a down and he does his down and then she throws a piece so of food cute. in his direction. So what happens is that whenever Lily's around, she's kind of been a, been a crazy, crazy menace and, um, and Luca's doing his down because that, you know what? That's what he does in in her presence. He's chilled about it, and she actually. What we've done is we've actually said, you know what, you. This is what we want you to do with with Luca. We don't want you to pull his hair. We don't want you to ride him. We don't want you to do all these other the things. What we thing want to you to do, do feed is him for a down, ask for a down, and then and then give him a bit of food. And she she just laughs. She thinks it's hilarious. And I, I think Luca actually has now paired her laughter with food, and he thinks that laughter's cool, and she's a novelty food, machine, and, laughter, and he's fine with it. Dog training, children, <laughs> and I and I think that's the the most lovely space to end on is that the relationships can be so happy and so mm. harmonious it just takes a little bit of um patience vigilance um yeah. scanning on our part yeah. yeah and and not overfacing the situation at any point and not being silly about it i think that's um a biggie is is staying staying aware yeah. So with that, guys, that was this episode of the Sexy Than a Squirrel podcast. We think this is a really important one. So if you know someone with a child and or a dog, 
which is probably a lot of people that you know, then you probably need to share this podcast. And, and take that as a gift that you can give. Take that as a gift that you can keep giving. It's a free podcast. It's a it's a learning opportunity. Yeah. And at the end of the day, learning is what keeps us all alive. So uh, it's a great gift to give. So how does someone go about sharing it, Tom? So the way that you can share it is by sharing the iTunes link or the Spotify link or the Google podcast link or whatever. Or you can head to absolutedogs.me forward slash start. And the cool thing is, is if you send that link, and in fact, you guys use this link as well, if you like, you actually get a downloadable guide uh, to get you up to speed with the podcast so that literally you can have a quick read through of the guide. You can see some of the games. You can see some of the strategies in that guide. It's totally free. And then you can jump right into the podcast episode. Whoa. So that was this episode of the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. We will see you next week. And remember, stay, stay sexy. sexy. Hey, before you go, have you taken part in the worldwide Sexier Than a Squirrel Challenge? It's a 25-day online video program, huge energy, amazing community, and over 6,000 people are already taking part. The only question is, you know where you are today, where do you want to be 25 days from now? Head to absolutedogs.me forward slash sexy.